1: Most of you want to make it to the promised land of success but aren't willing to make the sacrifices. Let me be clear. Nobody said it was going to be easy. No handouts. No excuses. It's just you versus you. It's go time. Find your why for the 5 a.m. wake-up call. Find your why for the extra mile you have to do after the workout. Find your why to face that fear. Take that test. Make that move. Come on, y'all. Your whole life has been a warm-up. For this moment right here, today, are you finally ready to play? You gotta decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action, just be better, just be more, be more today.
0: What's going on, folks? Your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas, back in the building with the Be More Today Show. We are back, we are back, we are back in the building. And folks, I am here with you for another episode of this great show. We are now in season four of the Be More Today Show, and it has been nothing but inspiring for me, hearing all the stories of growth, of progress, of success for everyone. And if you don't know, now you know. Be More Today Show is a movement. We are heard now in 73 countries, over 46 thousand downloads all thanks to your love and support for watching us on youtube and watching us on spotify and everywhere else so if you have not gone on and subscribed to the show subscribe to the show on youtube we are everywhere now be more today is on instagram and facebook as well and you already know my book is on amazon our more merch store is open our running club is out there if you're looking to run with me or with anybody else in the brooklyn new york area uh email me info at be or check us out at more on all social media platforms, you will not be disappointed. And your thanks and your love is always appreciated by me. It does not go unnoticed. I'll quote for today. It's simple as always. In knowing how to overcome little things a centimeter at a time, gradually when bigger things come, you're prepared. By Catherine. Durham. Listen, this has been a year, as I've always said, where we are looking at just doing small steps, being more a little bit every single day. And as I'm training for Berlin, you know, I got into Berlin uh, during the pandemic, um, did not go, um, and I have another chance to go out there this year and to, again, try to break uh, the four-hour mark. I'm looking forward to doing it. And as I'm getting back into the training now, remembering all these things, About overcoming the small things, trying to find time during the week, trying to make sure that you're up before the crack of dawn and get these runs in before it gets too hot. All the things you have to do one step at a time to get to your goal, which is going to be five months from now, four months from now. And it may seem crazy, but it is those things laying on the foundation for those things that will show you how to be great in the long run, and there are no shortcuts to this thing. You can be great if you make the time to do that, and it doesn't matter when you do it, whether you're doing it when you're younger, when you're older, when you have a full-time job and you're busy, or when you have no kids and you're not busy at all, getting that thing done will take the same amount of grit and work and dedication. And the guest I have on today's show is the embodiment of that. She is a former teammate of mine. I've been following her on social media for a long time now. She's been doing some great things and breaking some serious personal records um, at this time in her career, in her life. And I had to bring her on the show because she's inspiring me and inspiring others. Her name is Melissa Perlman. Now, Melissa has been recognized twice by PR Week, the world's leading PR and communication publication, as a top 15 PR professional to watch. In 2021, she was named to the South Florida Business Journal's esteemed 40 under 40 list, also celebrated by South Florida Business and Wealth Magazine 2017 up-and-comer, Boca Life Magazine as one of the publications 2014, 40 and under, and the South Florida Sun Sentinel as part of the publications 2012 Top Workplace Awards. Melissa is an uh, immediate post president, president of the Gold Coast Publication Relations Council, South Florida's largest independent group of PR, marketing, and communications professionals. She is also a voting board member of Maccabi USA, a federally recognized not-for-profit organization, with an extensive history of enriching Jewish lives through athletic, cultural, and educational programs. She was also commissioner of the Maccabi USA Endurance Team at the Maccabi World Games in Israel in 2022. Melissa is also an executive member of the Friends of Brown Track and Field, as you already know, Bruno, you know, organization, which was formed in June of 2020 and was instrumental. And reinstating the Brown University men's cross country and track and field teams, we talked about previously uh, two seasons ago. As an athlete, she's done so many things a former Florida State State Champion, Division I athlete at Brown University, you already know. And Melissa has been running competitively since 1996, representing Team USA in the World Bakabi Games in Israel four times and twice in Europe, meddling every single time. Today, Melissa is a competitive runner a marathoner, and she is boasting a personal best of two hours and 49 minutes. Folks, she is chasing the Olympic trials goal for qualifying this year, and I hope that she gets it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage my old friend, my old teammate, and the latest winner of the Publix Fort Lauderdale Half Marathon, (laughs) Melissa Perlman. Melissa, what is going on?
2: Hi, thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you so many years later and uh, still uh, see your smiling face and hear your your kind,, uh, your kind, supportive voice that I remember back in uh, Providence so many years ago.
0: Yeah, it's been a long time. This is actually my twentieth anniversary uh training reunion for Brown. I, I don't know if I'm going to reunion this year, but uh, it has been twenty years since I graduated. And, um, yeah, time flies, uh, time flies for real. Remembering the OMAC and spending hours, uh, you know, indoor and outdoor, you know, we, we were different, um, divisions clearly you were cross country and I was doing a number of jumping things. But Our paths always crossed, right. Cause we yeah. were one team and, uh, remembering the, the good old days of Ann and Berg and so much yeah. stuff. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Coach Jay and all those people kind of came together and, and helped us to be better athletes at that time. It's really a fun time, um, just thinking about it. So I'm glad I can connect with you today and just talk about the great things you've been doing since then, because you've been doing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> just,
2: a <little> <laughs> yeah, just a little busy.
0: Just a little busy. a little busy. listen,
2: well, I, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I, know, I know you're in PR. I know you run. And, you know, I love, I lose track of a lot of people after after graduation because just life is busy and people go various directions. <laughs> so what sparked this jump? And I, I know you ran in, in college. And I know you were a great runner. Um, But, you know, when college ends, most people usually stop. And I'm just curious what sparked this jump for you to go from the collegiate realm to continuing to run uh, after that?
2: Yeah, you're so you're so right. So, I mean, 20 years ago or so, I never would have thought that I would be here now doing what I'm doing. Um, When I ran at Brown, I mean, I came in with big goals. I had a, you know, as you mentioned, I had a successful career um, in high school with uh, track and cross country and distance running and went to Brown hoping to continue those goals, Um, not knowing where it would take me, um, you know, not necessarily wanting to Uh, be a professional runner, but really just wanting to see how good I could be. Um, And when I got to Brown, I struggled like a lot of, I think a lot of student athletes do with the change from high school to, you know, college, you're no longer necessarily a big fish, um, you know, in the little pond, it switches. Um, And so I was one of those athletes that really struggled with, hitting my personal bests and improving, um, when I got to college. So while I had a wonderful time with the team and wonderful time in college, um, it wasn't what I expected or wanted and, um, sort of had a transition in that time. So after two years running competitively for the Brown track team, I actually stepped away, um, and said, you know, I'm not hitting my times. I have an injury, I am spending a lot of time cross training and it was, you know, I identified myself at that point as yeah, a student um, and a hardworking student, but I was always a student athlete and it was, um, a little bit of a struggle during my sophomore and junior years of trying to find out where I really belong there. Um, so luckily for me, I was able to stay close with the track team and the track coaches and still, you know, surround myself with the friends I had made, but sort of separated my Self a little bit that I wasn't competing anymore that I dove into stuff that would help me in my career and my future I started interning and working and writing for the paper and, and that that sort of stuff that I knew that would advance my future career um so I really wasn't running much at all for my junior and senior year while at Brown um you know I would run with friends on the side every once in a while try to stay in shape a little bit but it just, It was was tough those years. Um, And when I graduated, it sort of was a continuation of that where I really jumped into my career and and my career goals and, you know, working. Um, I immediately started working, um, came back to Florida, was working, you know, eight to six and, you know, throwing myself into that. And and really the running sort of thing falls to the wayside a little bit. Um, And it it was tough. It was... um, you know, it wasn't I had a little bit of that. Well, if I can't compete, you know, I don't want to just run to exercise and stay in shape like I'm an athlete. I'm a competitive athlete. And if I can't do that, like I'm going to focus on something else. So there was a good 10 years in there, um, you know, when I stopped in you know, my sophomore year of college, which was 2002. Good 10 years, I would say, until 2011 or so, that I wasn't doing much running. I was uh, working a lot. I'd, you know, once in a while start running with someone to maybe run a 5K, but nothing consistent. And I just really had a struggle uh, and a challenge balancing the two of figuring out like how to fit it in. It's not my number one, I have a love hate relationship with it. It was an interesting time for me. So anyway, fast forward um, in 2011, um, after some you know personal life changes, I decided to leave my corporate job and start up my own company. Um, So I had been working at Office Depot's headquarters that were in South Florida in their PR and corporate communications department, and I was like, you know what? This is a lot of time. I love my colleagues. I love my job. Um, I love what I do. I want to try to see if I can do it on my own. Um, so I decided to start up a company called blue Ivy Communications um, a PR agency and with that transition came a lot of extra time mm-hmm. so I was like I'm building a business right I'm no longer like going to work every day to sit at my desk but I'm building a business but I have a lot of extra time as I'm trying to pick up clients um so I called my high school coach who was still coaching at my high school um you know I lived just a couple of towns away and I said, Hey, can I, you know, help out? Can I, you know, coach a little volunteer coach? I have some extra hours in the day. What else am I doing? Um, while I'm trying to build this new company of mine. And he said, um, coach Rick Rothman, um, he said, you're welcome to come back and help out and volunteer but one condition, you have to run with the girls. So at that point, he's like, some of them were hiding, you know, behind bushes on the long runs. And, you know, it was hard when he's not running with them to keep them focused and he needed that guidance um, and that assistance. So I was like, all right. So I spent, um, you know, a couple of months leading up to that season, running because I was like, oh, I have to be in shape now to, you know, run with the girls and and make sure I can keep up with them. Um, Training really hard. And um, I went out um, for the cross-country season and that would have been in 2011, 2012 uh, fall season. And I um, was running with them every single day. And it became like back to that high school or college thing where, you don't have a choice. Practice is at 3 p.m. every day and you show up. Um, And I had, you know, I I was building my company at the same time. I had to build that up and focus on that. I sometimes answer the phone during runs if like someone called that was important, but I made sure that I was there every single day for practice. And I was running on the weekends so that I could make sure that I, you know, was doing the same stuff they were doing. So I was able to support them, help them, et cetera. And that's sort of where my return to running happened. Um, Long story of, you know, that 10 year break. And then, I was back. And, um, with that consistency, I got back in shape, like real, real fast. So I was like, all right, here I am, you know, that glimmer of hope of, uh, you know, I still have some speed. I still have some, you know, potential in there. And I started entering, um, some half marathons and some races and so on. Um, and from there I, you know, went back to the Maccabi games you mentioned, which are considered the Jewish Olympics. I applied, I had gone to them when I was a kid, but then hadn't for obviously a decade now and applied to be back on their half marathon team, made that team. And it just sort of like snowballed from there where started doing more runs, got back into it and started actually seeing that, you know, there was some potential there to still achieve, um, and it was a pretty cool feeling because you know sometimes when you graduate college and you think you're running, or some people, you know, you finish high school and you think your sports and you know your running career or whatever the competitive career is behind you and done, like who thinks you can, unless you're going professional, who thinks that you can really return to it? And um, it was pretty um meaningful and rewarding that I was like, hey, I still have some, you know, good times and results and successes in front of me and I can, and I can get there.
0: I am just, I'm, I'm blown away uh, for a, a number of reasons, but you know, I, 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 I can relate, you know, I remember as a captain, you know, when we were at school together, I remember a number of people being like, yeah, I'm done. Um, I don't want to run anymore. I don't want to jump anymore. Um, I'm just kind of over it. And I, I remember being somewhat judgmental. I, to be honest, being like, well, what do you mean? You got to pursue it because we yeah. came here for this and this is why you're here. So you got to You got to keep doing it. But, you know, I didn't really have until I got injured my senior year, you know, any any lapses where I wasn't always getting better, you know, but yeah. I can completely relate to say that knowing and seeing so many people going through a phase where, you know what, I don't enjoy this anymore. I I don't like this anymore. I'm just going to stop doing this thing. Um, so to have all of that And then this fast forward to say that now it's become such an integral part of who you are, where you're hitting personal best in Mm -hmm. your 40s, right? Compared Mm -hmm. to what you were doing in your 20s. That to me is inspiring for so many of our listeners, because I think a lot of people get into a a mind frame of saying, well, I'm, I'm done. I've hit my plateau. I can't get any better than this, right? Work is too much. I'm doing too many things. How can I? when in you know, actuality the human body is so amazing when you really put that time and effort into doing these things you can do anything you put your mind to and i only say it because I, you know i saw your your most recent post about you winning this half marathon talk to us please about what it felt like to win the public sport lauderdale half marathon with a personal best personal best time yeah.
2: yeah i mean um it's still i i mean it's still amazing i I'm 40 years old. I'll be 41 um, very soon, and um, to h- continue to hit personal records and still improve and to win races, um, I just never expected that this would still be happening. And it's and it's funny because in my head, I'm like expecting. You know, I'm going to still PR. I still have goals. I still want to get my times. So I'm not done yet. And people will say, you know, when is this? You know, what's your outcome? What's your goal of this? What, you know, when will you stop training so much? When will you stop racing? And like, what do you want out of this? And I don't know yet, because what my experience in high school, college, and then post teaches me and, and shows me is that you never know, like, you could keep improving, it doesn't mean that your 20s have to be your prime of running or whatever it is, or 30s. There's really, I mean, everyone has a unique experience, unique story, unique body, you never know when that's when that top can be that peak that you're going for. And um, I mean, I don't I don't even think about the end. I just think about this is now and I'm going to keep putting in, as you said, the quote at the beginning um, about the small steps every day. And I just focus on the day to day. And then the outcome is there. And if I keep getting better, I keep getting better. And, um, you know, there's no reason to sort of put that that stop or that that cap on what you can achieve, because, the little steps every day, they'll add up. And, um, you know, at some point, yes, I will stop improving. And at some point I will stop winning, but it's not here yet. So I'm not going to think about it or or put that um, limit on myself.
0: I love it. Again, Mel, you ran a personal best of 122.46, which is flying how many that's that's how many minutes per mile just for listeners so they can know how 619
2: fast. 619.
0: 619 i have a lot of ladies who watch our show <laughs> and a lot of runners who watch the show and they're always fascinated when fascinated when they see the, the the ladies running and how quickly they're running and how literally they're not even on the ground for such a long time because you're just propelling yourself forward and forward and forward yeah. but again those times Aren't age specific, right? You, you're already saying that, yeah. You could be in your 20s or your 40s or, you, or whatever age. You put the work in for those things, you can achieve those goals. I mean, even for me, someone who ran 3:57 for the for the marathon as a jumper, you know, that was yeah. never going to be on my list of anything to do. But you know, once I recognized that that was the the benchmark for any kind of respect when it came to running marathons, you got to go so four. I said that was going to be my goal. And, you know, I'm I'm happy that I did that. And, yeah, I had the same aspirations. I want to run 345. I want to run 330. Mm -hmm. I I know it hasn't happened yet, but I know I can do it. I know I can do it. And that brings me to my next question, which is talking about the infamous Boston Marathon, which for so many people is like the the biggest thing because it's so competitive and it's so exclusive and it's so insular in terms of who can actually run this race based on the seating times. But you are running Boston next month. Um, I am, I'm super excited for you. What are your thoughts on, on the race and, and how do you feel about being able to run Boston?
2: Yeah. So this will be actually my third time running Boston. I keep going back. I haven't run that many marathons. Um, it's only my, it will be my sixth mar- marathon, but my third Boston, um, cause I keep, it's just the experience and the spectators and the excitement. It just makes it like one that you want to go back to. You don't feel like you're right. You don't feel like you're running. You're just like looking around and enjoying. Um, So I'm excited for that. Um, And I, it's a competitive one. I mean, it always is one that definitely pushes me to do my best and give it my best. My goal this time, um, I ran it last year and I ran a 256, which was, um, a couple of minutes off my PR. Um, and my PR is 249 24. I've run that exact time twice, which is wow. kind of random. But um, my goal is to um, go under 245. So prior to this year, the women's marathon Olympic trial qualifying time was sub 245. So in for the 2020 Olympics, which which then ended up being in 2021 in Tokyo to make it to the marathon Olympic trials for the U.S., you had to go under 2:45, which, funny enough, is that 6:19, 6:18 per mile time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was the big goal everyone was trying to get. Now for 2024, they changed the requirement; they dropped it for women to a 2:37. So they sort of, I know, I know, which is sub six minutes per mile. So it's a little bit more of a stretch. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at your face. Yeah. You're like, oh. <laughs> um, so because there were upwards of 500 women who had qualified for the U.S. Olympic right. marathon trials back in 2020, so they're trying to make it a little bit more competitive. I think they want to reduce that field a little bit, mm-hmm. which is, you know. Uh, uh, You know, harder, much harder, but, you know, a lot of women are still doing it. So you have until December, I believe it's December 6th, 2023, to get that time to run and then the race will be in Orlando in 2024. Um, Anyway, so I'm just doing it step by step, like, I, you know, every no pressure. See where I am. I do my training. And um, my goal is to go sub 245 in Boston um, in April, and then see where I am from there. Because, you know, if you go back, Two years when I ran my first one, you know, I, which was a 309, I never thought that I would have been running 249. You know, you think every time you run, you're like, oh, that was fast. Like that was, I don't know how I'm going to go any faster. And then it just happens when you add up these cycles, you know, marathon cycles one after the other, and you add up, you know, the effort and the work. And, um, you know, it's inspiring to see other women achieve. You know, they're as they're qualifying or they're lowering their times. I I follow along with a lot to watch, and it inspires me to show. There's no reason if they're doing it, there's no reason I can't.
0: Yeah, that's completely true. And you know, I, I was making a phrase because I'm like, I can't run that, <laughs> but I know you can run that. <laughs> okay. And I think you're right. I mean, sometimes you need that kind of pressure on you to 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 push you a little more than what you know you can probably already do because um, mm-hmm. there's, there's no doubt you're probably going to run at least the the time that you've been training for. But with the new goal, it just pushes the ante up a little more for you to train a little harder. So, you know, I, I'm curious what, what the, what's it look like, right? You talk, you're talking about, I see all your posts. I see you, you're posting all the miles and I know a number of people who are listening are training from various marathons, whether it's going to be for Boston or for Chicago or for Berlin. or Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm just curious about the, you know, what 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 makes it different for you to be this fast at this stage in your life in terms of what you're doing training wise that you probably weren't doing either at Brown or or or, or whatever because I think a number of people are in that same boat they want to get faster they want to do things but then they have all the questions about and they ask me and I give my answers but I'm curious about you you know what what it really takes there are multiple programs you can go out there and follow right? There are multiple uh, programs you go out there in terms of fitness, but also in terms of like what to run per day and even nutrition-wise, what to eat. But when it comes to really seeing improvements, you know, what's it really take to show this gradual, steady improvement when it comes to either getting faster or being able to run these races well without the, the continuous fatigue factors and stressors coming in and, and cramping coming in, all those things. How do you run well All these races, so many times. And even like you said, you ran the same time twice. I mean, that consistency, how do you do that so that when these things come, you're on it?
2: Mm -hmm. No, such a good question. Um, I think number one goes back to, and one of the reasons that I wasn't successful in college and am now, it, it, it comes into this as well. Number one, it's maturity and that ability to just know what you want to achieve and do it. And it's discipline. And, you know, you could put it all into that, like the mental side of things. So it's the maturity, the the discipline, um, the focus that, you know, this is what's required. This is what I want to achieve. I want to get better. I want to do this. This is the formula to make it happen and just make it happen. Whether it's getting out of your head, you know, uh, that was my big thing in in college and even in high school, like I was in my head all the time where I'd be intimidated and, you know, or stressed out or too much pressure or, you know, you self-sabotage, like all these things that happen. That doesn't happen anymore as a 40-year-old woman. Like I have my, I know that I don't have to run. You know, it has nothing to do with um, my, my value to my family, my value to myself. It has nothing to do with how much money I make It, it, all of that. It's just for me. It's I put in the time I put in the effort to achieve results that I want just for me. And it's a little freeing in a way, because then I know it's, I just have to, if I want it, I have to do what's required. And then it goes into the actual physical part of it. Once you get, you know, beyond that maturity, discipline, focus side of thing, and that's the physical side of, I have a coach and I, because everyone needs a coach. If you're a coach, you know, you need a coach. If I I truly believe in that, um, and I just follow for me, it's easy. I just follow what she tells me to do. So she writes up my schedule and it's just a check off day after day. I don't look too far in advance. I do have my goals, my dreams, and so on, as we just spoke about, but she knows what I want to achieve. But I look at it day to day because that's what you have to do. You have to get the little things. Again, going back to those small steps. I think, um, you know, the marathon, I think is like the most beautiful telling race in a way, in that you can't, you can't fake it you know sometimes if you're naturally talented you can show up for a shorter race and and you know and just put it out there on the line and you're good and you can compete well the marathon will show All of those missed Sunday long runs or missed stretching exercises or skipping nutrition or it shows it all on race day. Like you get to mile 20. And if you didn't put in the work, it's going to hurt. If you don't have the discipline of not, you know, going out too fast and and getting all, you know, you know, high on yourself of how well you can do. It's going to show up at mile 20 when your legs just are not there and you hit the wall. So, I mean, I love the marathon for that reason. It's so, it's just such a mirror of the work that you've put in and you got to do that small stuff, that small stuff every single day. You know, my mileage, people have all different mileage. You know, some people can handle super high mileage. If you follow the professionals, they're doing over a hundred miles a week. Um, women, men are doing even more. Um, You know, there's other people that go, you know, they're in the 50s and so on, uh, miles a week, and then they do cross training, or they do, or that's all they need, and they just get their long runs and then take days off. You have to do what your body can handle, obviously, and you know this better than I do. Some people can handle more than other people can handle. Um, And you can't get injured, because if you show up to the line injured, it doesn't matter how how, what you put into it or how great a shape you're in um, you're going to be injured and not be able to finish. So that's a, that's a critical factor um, for me. I'm my like, um, you know, uh, nice spot is sort of that, like that 60 to 70 miles per week. I run six days a week. I have one day off. Um, I do two days a week of uh, lifting or strength um I do a hit class um, for me that's good for you know upper body strength lower body strength core that kind of thing um and then I am getting massages if not every other week weekly um just to make sure that all of the muscles are worked out and stretched and so on and as I get older that's like more and more important um so those oh and then my most important thing is I sleep a ton I've always been a long sleeper for night. And I'm, you know, I, I started wearing a watch that tracks it. And I'm like, oh, I'm like nine 30 every night, nine hours and 30 minutes is like my sleep every night, um, consistently. And I need it. And, um, obviously it, it works and keeps me healthy and, um, feeling good, um, for running for work, et cetera. So it's sort of like figuring out all those physical things that need to go into it to keep you, ready and, you know, able to improve. And I really believe that, like, it's doing it each day. And that cycle just adds to each other. I mean, that's how people get faster. You run a marathon cycle, you run this time, you do great, you take off your three weeks, four weeks, whatever your body needs to, um, you know, recover. And then you start again, you don't start back at scratch. You're building on that last cycle. So you're going to get faster. As long as you don't have any injuries that are stopping you or long recovery timeframes, if you keep doing that same thing, maybe adding a little bit the next time, which sometimes I do. Oh, my last marathon, you know, I could feel it in my legs. I didn't have that pop for the hills, well, I'm going to add a little bit more strength this time because I know that I need that. You know, next time I feel like I'm going to focus more on nutrition and like make sure that I have that dialed in and so on. So every time you can tweak it, I mean, we're like machines, um, but you just build on it each and every time. And it's when you think of it like day to day with the little things, it's not so overwhelming. It's not like, oh my God, I have to, you know, drop from 650 per mile to 620 per mile, you know, or 619 to six flat per mile. It doesn't seem so much when you do it day to day.
0: Yeah. I've been doing a lot of talking with my athletes. It's just talking about cross-training and, you know, having these same seasons, doing your your foundational stuff so you know what you're doing in terms of strength conditioning, whatever else, and then going into your speed work and then going into your long run series and then doing that every single time. I think that the hard part for many is that they don't want to put in all the work. And the same way you talked about all you're doing, all the work you're doing, the sleep you're getting, which is so important. The sleep is so important, right? We did, we have to put it in so many things. I had an athlete ask me the other day, well, she's doing a half marathon at some point in time. It's like, well, I haven't done any long runs, but uh, I've been cross training. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, like, what should I do? Should I cram? Should I, you know, I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. Stick to the program we gave you and whatever you can get done, that's going to be it. But, you know, in the long run, you want to do is what we put in front of you follow the the blueprint follow the program and like you said it's not like a sprint it's literally putting in those small details every single day so that in the end you've already crossed up all the t's and dotted all the i's that when you go on that race line you're ready and like you said you know if you're missing a certain component and you work on that component you need some more hill work in your life get some more hill work you need some more nutrition get that thing in and you can be better for the next race but you'll never know until you go out there and run that race. And, you know, I'm I'm inspired by that because it lets me know that we all have the capacity to be great. We all have the capacity to go out there and to do whatever we say we want to do, but not all of us have that tenacity, that grit to go out there and make this a part of our everyday lives. And you've done that. I mean, you've done that to uh, the utmost ability, being able to now be running so well at this stage in your life and, still do your full time personal business. So, you know, I'm curious now of all the things you talked about in terms of nutrition and 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 sleep and whatever else, a lot of those things, I'm sure you've applied to your work and you've tried to find a balance now between running and still living your regular life. Like I said, no one's paying us to do this, right? You're doing this because you want it. If you don't want to run, you don't have to run, but you've chosen to do this. So how do you balance this stuff now? How do you balance this i want to give my all to this craft and also give my all to my nine to five because that's how I eat. Like, how do you balance those things so that both things can be substantially productive? And are there things that cross over? Are there are there certain things that you apply to your running world that you apply to the PR world in terms of your training, in terms of your business and vice versa?
2: Yeah. So I think it's, it's so important. Like you said, you know, we're not professional runners so we're not being paid to do this. So there is that flexibility piece of it that, you know, you have to be willing to be flexible and, you know, things aren't going to always be perfect in running work, you know, they do crossover and sometimes, you know, uh, a meeting comes up, or a, you know, you have to get a run in, and you have to be flexible with yourself because you know we can't say stop to everything else in our life to get stuff done, but you have to be willing to also make, be flexible, but make it happen. So if I need to fit in a run at 10 PM at night, well, I have a treadmill to make sure that I can do that in the dark, you know, safely. Um, So there are pieces that, you know, I work in to manage, to make sure that I can accomplish both. Now with work yeah, work is, you know, my priority in life. Um, You know, I have a business, we have seven employees, we have to make sure that they're, you know, that our employees are cared for, that they're doing their work, that they're managed. At the same time, we have to make sure our clients, you know, are getting the work that they paid for, and they're feeling that they're getting the results. Um, So it is balancing the two. But um, your question about, how they sort of are similar or relate to each other, it's my personality to give a hundred percent. So it, it makes it a little bit easier for me and that, you know, I, I, whatever I put my mind to, I'm going to give my all, um, no matter what it takes. Um, so I do that on both my work side, my professional side, and you can see on the running side. So give it, if I decide to do it, I'm going to give it all. Um, so that, I know at the end of the day that I'll be able to do that. Um, But for PR wise, specifically and running, there are some um, similar pieces that I recognize in both. Um, You know, we talked about with the marathon and how you have to do the little stuff and they add up. It's very similar to a job, you know, you got to do the day to day stuff, I have to make sure that my clients are receiving XYZ. I have to make sure I'm doing the day to day things to make sure in the long run, that the work is there and it's successful and so on. So business and running, there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of overlap in terms of giving it, um, achieving and, and discipline and that sort of piece, um, I think specifically with public relations, one of the reasons that I got into it um, was because PR is there's a lot of it's earned media. So when I say earned media, you know, I can't pay for an ad. I don't public relations isn't like you're not paying for an ad. I have to create a pitch and then pitch it to the media and persuade them to want to cover, you know, this news or this event or um you know there's a lot of creative persuasive kind of thing and then they make the decision at the end of the day. So there's a lot of um sort of like push push and then wait and see um and you don't know. It's not in your hands. It's like uh sort of uh, the decision of the media whether or not they're going to cover it. And I remember as a high schooler, um, going back to when I was running, uh, we'd have, you know, weekly meets and then, you know, the media would come, they'd interview us or they would take photos. And then the next morning, you know, I'm getting the paper that's on the driveway and looking to see what's in it. And I'd open the paper and there was like a, a rush, a high of, a. Uh, Oh my God, we're in there. There's a picture my teammates there. There's a quote. They use this photo. It was, it was cool to be in the newspaper. Um, it was exciting. And for me now, I feel that same way. It's so funny, you know, 20 years later, I feel that same way when I open up the paper or I, you know, turn on the TV and my clients are on it. Um, so it's that same like excitement and rush that comes from it, um, and it, it's like very similar to that, you know, that high, that runner's high that you get um, and that you want and you go for. And I, and I feel it every day in work when I'm like searching the news of what's been picked up, my Google alerts or my whatever uh, services we use to track who's written about who or who's covered. Um, so it's funny that it's very, very similar. Um, and it's just in the two sides of my life. And, um, and I, and I feel it in both. Um so it's a lot of fun of how that overlap ends up there.
0: That's great. Yeah, I definitely I relate to that as well. Um, you know, my physical therapy world is pretty much wrapped around getting people to feel better and be better. But um, you know, I I do one of the reasons why I still do any kind of competitive anything is because I drive to be the best at that craft is still there. And that drive to see how far you can push your body is also still there. So me doing that for my patients on a regular basis is great, but then you know, I still want to see what I have left in the tank. I want to see what I can still do. I want to see, you know, and, you know, for me, as I shared on the show before, my my dad was uh, a mid-distance runner. He was a state champion for the four by eight for a number of years I Had a record that didn't get broken for 30 years or so for the four by eight. And he always was like trying to get me to run 800 and I didn't do it. You know, I didn't do it in high school. I didn't do it in college. I was like, I'm not doing that at all. Um, but in my later years, I I did get more into this running thing, and I and I'm seeing now how much of what he instilled in me has inspired me just to see how fast I can really go. And you know, I've I've run faster now in my 40s than I ever did in my in my 20s, because like you said, I was somewhat afraid, not even afraid, but I was somewhat intimidated of of not knowing how far I could push myself. It was easy just to do the thing that you're good at. You know, I was always good at jumping yeah. and sprinting. That was easy stuff. I could always be that, that good high school. And even in, you know, in college is different because everybody is good around you. But when you're that person who is better than everybody else at that craft, it's easy yeah. just to do that. But yeah. to do the things that take a little more effort um, you know, it, I was immensely ready for that 20 years ago at Brown to, mm-hmm. to say, let me go outside my comfort zone and push further. I pushed, but it was easier to push in the thing you were good at than to push in the thing that you weren't good at yet. And, you know, the marathon Sometimes has taught me
2: surprise, that. Right. Sometimes you surprise yourself where it's like I didn't even realize how you know, putting in a little bit of effort and you're like, oh, I can see the results. And then you put in that more, you know, more and more effort, which is, yeah. which is a nice feeling.
0: Absolutely. It's kind of crazy. And, you know, I, I think that the beauty of it is when you see results, like you said, when your clients see results, or when you see results or whatever, it just makes you feel like, wow, okay, so what's next? Like, what else can I do? <laughs> like, what else can I go out there? What other ways can I go out there and do? How much faster can I really go? And, um, you know, I, I wish more people had that same sentiment. To be as enthusiastic of the potential of what they can get to. I think a lot of people kind of get stuck in the what I can't do or what mm-hmm. I used to do. And there's a whole continuum of people who are trying to be more, be better, be great. And yeah. you know, that's why I want to invite you on the show, Mel, because you embody that for me. And I've asked everyone on the show what that phrase means to them. When they hear the phrase, be more today, what's it mean to them? So I'm gonna ask you as well. When you hear that phrase, be more today, mm-hmm in terms of PR, in terms of running, family, whatever. What does that phrase mean to you?
2: Sure. So Be More Today is telling you that today is your opportunity to be more, that don't wait for tomorrow to be more. As we said, it's those small steps of what you're doing today, um, whether it is work, professional, personal, running, sports, whatever, that today is the day that you put that effort in to achieve more, to be more. And it you'll end up achieving all of that down the road in the long run, but you have to start today with those small steps because that's what it takes to add up, to get where you want to go. You can't, you know, you can't achieve the big dreams. You can't say, I want to break four or break three or break two forty-five in the marathon and not do everything that's required of it today. So you have to, to, to be more, um, you got to really. You have to start today with it, um, and then ultimately you will achieve, or you know you'll get as close as humanly possible to what was to what was uh, possible.
0: Absolutely, yeah. How did how did it feel when you were working with the um, the friends of Brown track and field to kind of get the team back onto its feet? I know you were part of the the. There were many people who were involved in that bringing it back. Yeah. And for those who don't remember, our our track and field club was stopped for a while. They kind of just stopped funding it. It was not going to be happening anymore. And a number of alumni came together and rallied and money was raised and letters were written. And the team is now back in place and doing well. But what did it feel like on your end as an alum, alumni who was, or alumna who was actually part of the process to get that team reinstated?
2: Yeah, it was a wild feeling because, I mean, it goes back to, when, as we were talking about, when I left the team, or I stopped competing um, after my sophomore year, um, there was a lot of regret on my end, um, you know, personal um, disappointment that I, you know, I, they, I was recruited to run here, and I was supposed to achieve, you know, a lot and be part of this team, and this, and Brown, and the team gave me so much, and I was, upset and disappointed, you know, for many years, I couldn't give more back. Um, cause I loved my experience at Brown. Um, and when this opportunity came up and I heard about, you know, that they were cutting men's, um, varsity track and indoor track and cross country. Um, and I sort of started sharing it and and just commenting on the Facebook posts. And, and it offered my skills as being in the public relations world and said, hey, I can help, you know, get the word out about any of this. I have access to journalists, you know, at New York Times or wherever it is, I'd love to be part of it. And it was a little initially, it was a little bit of me saying like, I'd like to give back a little bit. Um, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, a top seven cross-country varsity athlete when I was there, like competing and and scoring points for the team, um, you know, I wanna be able to help a little and and score some of those points now. Um and when I was included in it and was able to be part of it and, you know, we started getting responses and then there was the big, um, you know, New York Times article that came out and talked about how they brought it back and every the effort. And it's been ongoing. There's, you know, communication to make sure that, you know, the excitement doesn't lull and we keep bringing money into the program. Um, you know, it's just rewarding and, um, it's been like a little cathartic for me because it feels like I was able to give a little bit back, um, and, um, a little bit of a thank you to Brown for, you know, the opportunity. And, um, and it shows that you know, whatever the role that I had at Brown, you know, track and field wasn't what I had planned for or expected. But, you know, 20 years later, I was able to, um, you know, be a a big part of the team and um, have an influence on it. Um, So it was a surprising piece and, and nice to see, you know, so many faces from the past. And um, I was just honored and proud to be a small part of um, the team that, you know, made sure that, Varsity men's track and cross country wasn't eliminated.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's been great. I've connected with a number of the coaches there ever since. And I just love the growth. And I love the, the community that we had then that is still existing now. And mm-hmm. if I go to all the HEPs, I would, you know, they're not always so close to where I am. I know you're in Florida, I'm in New York. But um, it's just great to know that our our network of, of friends and competitors. Uh, and teammates is is so vast. And now that we have our various skill sets to bring all those things together as a bigger team to help our team, I was just glad to see it. I was glad to see it happen. Yeah. So I thank you for your your support and wow. and your tutelage and, and that and that and your time. And I'm glad that we were able to get Brown Track and Field back on the yeah, true line.
2: And it reminds you of how excellent you know, the people are that were there, that are there. Um, like you said, like the talents and the skills of whatever, you know, they we were all brought together because we were, you know, fantastic student athletes. But, you know, that doesn't mean that that's all you are. Like so many, you know, have so, you know, our fundraisers, our, you know, uh, marketing experts, our writing experts, our, Teachers, professors—it's uh, you know expertise in so many different areas—and it was uh, really refreshing to see that, um, and a good reminder of how just amazing the opportunity was to attend Brown and the people we were surrounded with, and um, and to get a little glimpse of that again is nice.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Mel, last question. I know that you're you're prepping for the Olympic trials, so yeah. If- are you gonna do? No, we're gonna we're gonna call this thing. So, what are you gonna do in terms of your small changes, your small inches, to make sure that you can hit that mark? We talked about a number of thing that we as regular runners are gonna do is to hit our our regular platforms, right, in terms of nutrition yeah. and sleep and diet and whatever else and following mm-hmm. our programs. But what do you think that you have to do now to get yourself over the the hump and to hit these times that you haven't hit yet? But you know that physically, since we're not limited, you probably can. What do you have to do?
2: Yeah, I think um number 1 is to mentally be like it's possible, right? Other other women have done it. Other um women have achieved that sub 237 right now and um I have a year about just um just under a year to do it. So recognizing the challenge, seeing it and telling myself it's possible. Um, And then taking a step back and taking, you know, small bites of the elephant. So my first goal is that sub 245. um, That's Boston. I have Chicago scheduled for fall, which is a fast marathon course. So we'll see, you know, whatever I do or don't do in Boston, I'll just, you know, next cycle build up. I'll go after it in Chicago. Um, and then I may have one more marathon in December if need be to uh, rush that time in. Um, and I'm gonna do it just like I've been doing it for the last you know couple of years of doing everything I need to do every day, checking off my workouts, um, you know, making sure that I show up to my runs, my workouts, ready, mentally, physically, being flexible with myself when need be um, listening to my body, um, but just giving it my all um, each and every time. And what I've learned is so much of it is physical, but so much of it is mental. Um, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, I run alone a lot, um, which I love, but I listen to audible books and podcasts like yours. Um, and I listen to them for inspiration. And I listen to them to hear stories of other people that have achieved great things and to take a little bit out of all of them. I mean, everything from um, uh, Dina Castor's book about how she tells you to, you know, change your frame of thought when it gets hard, you know, start imagining the birds up there, start thinking funny thoughts anything to not focus on that pain when it gets really hard um i listen to all of david goggin's books because you know there's an intensity there um i listen to a book it's called how bad do you want it about how people have pushed themselves to limits way beyond what was expected because they wanted it so much and all of those things um i think about you know definitely during races but also when things get hard and you know if you're tired or you don't feel like doing it cuz not every day is easy peasy. Some days are harder than others. And I just remind myself, you know, I am choosing this. These are my goals. This is how much I want it, how it's worth it. And, um, and I'm going to just give it day by day and, uh, hit my workouts, hit my times, hit my mileage, keep my nutrition up, my sleep up, body, um, recovery, all those small things, and and we'll see what it is. And at the end of the day, if I achieve it, it will be amazing. But if I don't, I'll know that I gave it my all.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's big time talk, Mel. I appreciate all those things. Listen, where can people follow you on social media or otherwise to follow your journey?
2: Sure. So I am on Instagram, and my Instagram handle is melrunsfast. Um, and that's where I put most of my running stuff. And um, then I am for work-related stuff. The name of the company is Blue Ivy Communications, and we have an Instagram and Facebook: Blue Ivy Communications or Blue Ivy Com, Comm. C o m um, m. And um, that's where most of it is uh, posted. If you're if you're interested in following.
0: Awesome! Awesome! Let's. We appreciate you so much. We wish you the best for Boston. And we're going to be in Chicago. My wife and my mom and my running club, Spartan Sunday Running Club, will be in Chicago. We actually ran last year, but we'll yes. be out there again this year. So I'll look hopefully for you. Hopefully
2: it's a little cooler, right?
0: Yes. hopefully A it's little cold.
2: colder. Yes. It was so hot last year.
0: It was hot last year. Absolutely. <laughs> no um, but yeah, we'll we'll link up probably then. I'll hopefully try to track you down and we can link up for whatever in Chicago.
2: That would be great.
0: That'd be great. That'd be great. So thank you so much for joining us on the show. You made this show one for the books and we will be following you and looking for greatness. And we are hoping for that Olympic trials time to hit. I know
2: crossing my fingers.
0: Thank you, John.
2: John. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. And listen, folks, you said so many great things right on the show uh, about putting in the work, about following the program, about getting the sleep, about doing the unmentionable things to get these things done. You are not going to hit your greatness Just by just being, you have to go out there and you have to go out there and get it. You got to want it and you have to go get it. And Mel said it best, find the time, find the time, balance your life, figure out how bad you want it and you can get these things done. It doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter who you are, you can get these done because no human is limited. And our quote for today is talking about all those things and knowing how to overcome little things a centimeter at a time, gradually even bigger things come you are prepared be prepared this year whatever you're trying to do your starts your stops your goals your more whatever you want to do let's get those things done like david Goggins always talks about (laughs) go out there and stay hard and let's keep putting that work in to be the best versions of ourselves folks thank you so much for joining us for the show we will see you next week and just keep doing your thing being more